Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. This is episode 54. My name's Dwayne Osterland, and I'm your host, and I'm also the founder of Novus Mindful Life Institute, Family Counseling and Recovery in Long Beach, California. If you or anyone you know is struggling with any of life's challenges, please reach out to us. You can find out more information about us at theaddictedmind.com forward slash help. All right, on to this episode. This episode is about something I'm very, very passionate about. And one of the things I really enjoy in doing psychotherapy, and that is group therapy. Our guest today is Mari Lee, and she is a expert in the field and is going to share her wisdom about group therapy. And we're going to have a discussion about it. I really enjoyed talking with her. We both see eye to eye on this topic. And um, I think this information will be very helpful. If you were ever thinking of joining a group, I definitely encourage you to do it. I think you can get a lot out of a good psychotherapy group on a deep level. So I really loved this conversation. I really liked talking about it. It's something that I'm really passionate about and I can see the power of, especially in recovery when we're dealing with a lot of early childhood trauma and shame. Group really helps work through those issues. So here you go. Enjoy this episode. All right, everybody, welcome to The Addicted Mind. My guest today is Mari Lee, and she is going to talk about something I'm very passionate about, and that is group therapy. Mari, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, Dwayne. I'm happy to be here and really excited about the topic. I know we are both 
big group therapy gurus. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to diving in. Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Mari Lee, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and a certified sex addiction therapist and supervisor. I founded a recovery center in Glendora, California, by the name of Growth Counseling, and I support uh, sex addicts, uh, porn addicts, and their partners, and significant others in recovery there. I'm also an author. I co-authored a book with Dr. Stephanie Carnes called Facing Heartbreak, Steps to Recovery for Partners of Sex Addicts, and um, another book on my own called Healing Betrayal, also a book for partners. And then as you know, I think, Dwayne, I do a lot of consulting and coaching work for therapists around the country, actually around the world now, and also do a lot of speaking. So I do speaking nationally on the topic of sex addiction and betrayal trauma. And I'm uh, really glad to be here. And that's a little nutshell version of who I am professionally. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. And I, your books are awesome and, and I use them so much. So I really appreciate all the work that you've been doing as well. So oh, it's awesome you. to have you on the show. And we were kind of talking about topics. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about was group therapy and its kind of role in therapeutic treatment for addiction. So we thought that would be a good topic. And uh, I know you also have resources for that as well. So um, we'll be able to share that as well. But let's let's just kind of jump in when we're talking about group therapy. What does that mean? Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. I, I know it's a topic near and dear to uh, both of our hearts as clinicians. And so one of the things when I'm working with somebody individually and I broach the topic of group therapy, it's a mixed bag of responses, right, Dwayne? Right. Where it, it's sometimes, oh, I, I think that sounds really interesting. A client might say to me, I'm all in. But more oftentimes, there's some resistance. I don't know about that, Mari. Going into group, that feels kind of scary to me. I don't like talking in front of a group of people. Uh, if it's a partner that I'm working with, um, he or she may say, I really don't want to expose what's going on to my in my marriage to a big group of people. I don't like this idea of group therapy. But what uh, therapists know, is that, of course, addiction thrives in secrecy and isolation. And when we can bring that person in recovery, whether it's the hurting spouse or partner, or it is the addict in recovery, and we can bring them into a small, and usually group, in my groups anywhere, between six and seven individuals, and we can bring them into that group magic happens. It really does. We bring that person into shame reduction practices. They have a community of support. Um, sometimes what I see in my men's sex addiction groups is that these guys have not had really relationships, healthy, on board, emotionally supportive relationships with other men since high school and sometimes sadly ever before they get into group therapy. Definitely. That is so true. And I think that's one of the reasons, I think as a man, that's one of the reasons I love doing group and with groups of men is exactly that. I mean, a lot of these men have never had real relationships with anyone. And this is the first time they get to experience that. And I, I love that part of it. I think it's so important. And and it's it's, you know, one of the things that 
when I'm working with somebody dealing with sex addiction and they're in their recovery process, part of the homework that I assign to them is it's very important for you to start establishing healthy male friendships. Uh, a lot of times what I see with the guys that I work with, especially men who might be in their 40s or 50s, is their friendships. If they had friends in college or high school or if they didn't go to college just in early years, those friendships have sort of just faded away as they got into their jobs and careers and family life and parenting roles or addiction, they just haven't really established friends or, or kept track of friends. And these guys really talk about boredom and loneliness and a lot as triggers to their addiction, that they're lonely, that they're bored. Sometimes the triggers are resentment that their significant other or their spouse or wife is sort of controlling the social schedule and outside of getting together with couples now and then or family events now and then, they just don't have buddies that they can get together with and really have a deep connection, not just to talk a high five over a, a football game, but a space that's safe and sacred where they can talk about what's coming up. So tell me a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Tell me a little bit like, because some of the, the responses that, uh, you know, I get is, well, yeah, I have my friends out there. We do go and I, I talk to them at the game. We go to the game and we, we talk a little bit, but what's different about like group therapy that just uh, say like a, your peer group? Right. Well, first of all, there's confidentiality and there's a focus for a therapeutic support group, right? We, it's a clinical group. So with addicts coming into recovery, our focus is around sobriety. It's around discussing specific triggers and emotional responses. It's about healing trauma. It's about discussing frustrations in the relationship or in the sex life. It's talking about shame and things that they may not unpack and feel comfortable or safe in talking with their buddies over at a game or over a beer. They may be worried that what they talk about with their buddies would get back to the wives and then through the wives would come back. Right, it's right. hard to say, but within a group setting, there's confidentiality. It's led by a therapist and there are boundaries and rules that support and are the foundation of group. Right. And, and it creates that structure. I mean, one of the things that I found too with group is that it's a consistent group of people. It doesn't change. Like a lot of the groups that I do, some of these groups, it's the same men who are in the group for a long period of time. They really get to know each other. Yeah. Years. They really get to know each other on a a really deep level. Mm -hmm. And I find that especially with my men's group, there's hardly ever any absences. The guys practically run to come into group. It's really interesting. Even the ones that were very resistant to joining group, what I will often say to the guys who are really nervous or resistant about joining group is I'll say, look, I'll tell you what, just give it one group. I run my group in modules. So it's a closed group for 12 weeks. And I'll say, just give it one module. Give it a try. And what is it? It's 90 minutes a week that you can come in and and do group. And if you absolutely hate it, you don't have to do group after that. But I have a sense that you're really going to love it. And I promise you that if we were assigned to go out and clean toilets in, in the city for an hour and a half every week, group is going to be a lot better than that. So just right. come in, give it a shot, warm up to group, and just know that your therapist is, I will be in there with you. It's not as if you're just going to be 
winging it on your own. And to your point, Dwayne, there is just a different level of emotional intimacy and connection that a lot of these men have never, ever experienced where there's no judgment, there's only inclusion. It's a warm, safe, healthy space. Yeah, that they get to really be a part of. And once they learn the value of that, they want to stick with it. They want to stay there. And I, I have the same experience of running groups a little bit differently. They're more ongoing. But once they get in there three or four times, they can feel that, that this is a different kind of space. It's a brotherhood. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... Yeah, I guess that's a good way to put it. It's, it, is, it is like a brotherhood. And they really share in each other's lives and help people through it. They help each other and they know if there's a problem that they have somewhere to talk about it. They do. And what's really neat, I think, about group is they may never cross over from out of group into each other's personal lives, meaning their wives may never meet if they're married. Their partners may never meet if they have a partner. They may never actually do anything together outside of group, or they may. But within that group, these are, I've had men many times over many years share with me, I really consider some of my best friends in the world to be the guys in my therapy group. These are the guys that I know that I can count on, rely on, that I reach out to if I'm feeling triggered or I'm struggling, that I know that I can send a text to or give a call to, and they're going to be there for me. And, um, and, and even though they may never share a holiday together or their families may never meet, that's, that's really what I hear a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. What about one of the things that I get, and I'd love to hear your response to that, is especially in recovery and like, well, I I go to my 12-step meeting or so I don't think I really need group, but I really like the group part and I like 12-step too, but I'm wondering how, how do you explain that to them? They say, oh, I, no. Yeah, I think it's such a, a really important question. And also, I think it's a very fair question for clients to ask a therapist because if they're only familiar with 12-step, it may feel redundant to come to a therapy group. Like, why do I have to do both of those things? But 12-step is very different, as we know, Duane, than a therapy support group. And it's also a really important 12-step, that is, is a really important support and adjunct support for individual therapy for people in recovery. So I love the 12-step communities. I mean, there are, let's let's be honest, there are really healthy meetings. And then unfortunately, we hear about really unhealthy meetings out there. So anybody who's in recovery would want to find a meeting that feels really healthy, feels boundaried, feels as if the leadership within that 12-step meeting is healthy and grounded and supportive. But a 12-step meeting is going to look very different. There isn't what's called crosstalk. So you're going to have a very limited amount of time to express. Usually meetings are started off with, we'll just call the guy, fictitious guy named Bob. You know, hi, my name is Bob and I'm a sex addict. And then the response is, and maybe people have seen this in the movies, hi, Bob. And then, you know, well, I just want to share that. And then there's a very brief, very limited share. And there's usually not any reflection back or any crosstalk. It's very there's a method to 12 step and it's kind of scripted and it's a good community of support. It's a place to go and check in, to go to a meeting, if to stay on track with your recovery. It's also a wonderful place to understand the the 12 step methodology, the recovery and go through that. There's a particular system, the steps that a person would work through with their sponsor. 
definitely supports and enhances individual recovery work. It's free, which is really helpful and nice for people. And we really recommend that clients who are in 12-step connect with a really grounded, healthy, sober sponsor. And you can kind of think of a sponsor maybe as a coach, somebody to help that individual walk through the 12-step method and support their recovery. So it's, it's a different... It's just a different system. Therapy is about psychoeducation. So there's a lot of tools that you're learning in therapy. Like we've talked about, there's a deep, deep level of community and sharing. There is crosstalk. There's what's called process work. Can you talk a little bit, like for people who don't know what crosstalk means, what, what sure. does that mean? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to clarify. So for example, in 12-step, if somebody is saying sharing something that happened to them that week. Maybe they had a slip in their recovery or an argument with their significant other. Other members of the group would not be responding to that. They wouldn't be interjecting or asking questions or offering feedback or affirmations. It's just that person sharing and then it goes on to the next one. In group therapy, in a structured way, we do what's called process work or crosstalk where a person may be sharing a high or a low of their week. And then I, as a group facilitator, the therapist and group may say to Bob, Bob, you know, I really appreciate you sharing that and being vulnerable that way. Are you open to some feedback from the group? And then I want to share some things that are coming up for me as the therapist and group. So I may start that crosstalk. I may start the process work by sharing some clinical feedback, some insight, a tool, whatever it is, some psychoeducation. And then I may ask the other group members, what are, what are something that you want to share with Bob here? What might you offer? And that helps in a lot of ways. One, it helps build a community and the quote-unquote brotherhood or sisterhood of the group. And two, it also helps a person who's giving the feedback to solidify and integrate the tools that they're learning, right? And to feel more confident in their own recovery as they then support their fellow group mate. So it is very, group therapy is very different from 12-step in many reasons, but I would say that's one of the more significant ways that it differs. Yeah, definitely. You know what also, as you were talking, what I was also thinking about when some of the groups that that I, I lead and, and I really, I think one of my favorite things is group therapy mm-hmm. of all therapies. I, I love it. Me too. Uh, there's so many dynamics. What I've also noticed is as groups mature and um, is that they also work out their interpersonal conflict with other group members. They talk about, you know, when you said this, it really bothers me because you've been bringing that up, that topic up for the last six or eight weeks and you haven't taken any action and I, what's going on? And, and they process their relationship with each other, their insights into each other in, um, with the therapist there to help guide those conversations. Yes. So they, they do them in you know, they can kind of have them in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And so we notice that activation. So if a group member brings something up, maybe it's a slip, you know, maybe it's a relapse, maybe it's a lie, maybe it's something that feels activating to the group, more off-putting to a group member, that group member will lean in. We see it happen all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And say, yeah, I just have to call bullshit on that. That doesn't really feel like you're being honest about that. And I love you, man, but I don't know. I just, that's not sitting well with me because a couple of group sessions go, you mentioned this and you might see some nodding heads around the group. Now, 
the person who is getting the feedback, we want to, as a group therapist, pay a lot of attention to what their response is. Are they feeling angry? Do they feel shame? What's coming up? And so we carefully attend to that process and saying, that was some strong feedback, but important truth. What's coming up for you? Because I know that Frank here, who gave you that feedback, Bob, really thinks a lot of you. But I think there's some good wisdom and some clarity in what Frank is sharing and what's coming up for you. Oh, I'm fine. Well, you know, your face looks a little angry. It doesn't seem like you're fine. Can we talk about that a little bit more? So we dig deep. We get in there. And I, like you, I love it. Yeah, I I definitely like that. They they really get to, to work that out together in a safe way as you're thinking about more. And And uh, I've even had several clients who have come in and they're in a recovery group and they reveal maybe three or four or, you know, I've even had six months where they go, you know what, group, if you want to kick me out, you can, but I haven't been honest with you. I've been acting out. Yes. And so many times though, you see these people just surround them and they're like, we're not kicking you out. <laughs> you're part of the group. I'm so glad you're honest. And, and they get to have, they get to feel that love in all of their own imperfection and shame and all of that stuff. And just to see that take place and the healing that comes from that, that people are going to stick with them. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That backup that I've, I've got your back and I'm here for you. I'm going to speak some truth. I'm going to hold you accountable, but I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to blame you. And you're a part of the group. And especially for clients and human beings who have been wounded in their family of origin. And that would be most of our clients as we know, right? right. Especially for clients who have a lot of trauma from family of origin where they've been abandoned or they've been betrayed in their family of origin or the parents didn't show up for them through neglect or they were very punitive parenting relationships where they were shamed if they had a human moment. In group, that's what we seek to do is to heal a lot of that early family trauma so that we're really recreating Yalom style, right? Yalom is a, a therapist, a beloved therapist to many of us who really created a beautiful system and modality around group therapy where we're really trying to recreate and tease out some of those places of woundedness at people. So maybe somebody was a scapegoat and shamed in the family. Maybe somebody was a class clown in the family. Maybe somebody was a golden child that got the straight A's in the family. Whatever that looks like. And those roles will come to light in group. Group sort of represents a family system and the group therapist is sort of that good enough parent, good enough father or good enough mother in the room. And so we see those dynamics take place where that person that wants to get the straight A's and have all the right answers, right? Or the person who wants to be the instigator of issues, we'll see those roles come out and we need to attend to those roles and and educate the group about what's happening. It's it's a very complex, multidimensional process and and it's incredibly important, really incredibly important to recovering addicts and their partners. And I believe that so much so, Dwayne, that I really don't often refer to therapists who don't have groups or have a way of referring into a group. Right. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying. So I have like kind of two more questions I want to ask you. The first one is to the client. What would you want to tell a client who's thinking about group or contemplating that? What, what message would you want to give to them? 
Yeah, so anybody who might be listening to our conversation today, and if you're thinking about attending group therapy, really the most important message that I would share with you and encouragement is really what do you have to lose? And you have everything to gain. Give it a shot. Find a group that feels supportive. Talk to your therapist. If you don't have a therapist, try and find a therapist that provides group therapy. Or if your therapist doesn't provide group therapy, they're likely very well connected in the therapeutic community and can refer you to a group. And then set up a time to speak to the group therapist. That is required for all of my groups. People must have a pre-group interview to make sure that my groups are the right fit for their recovery, right? It's very important that the group be a right fit for the client and frankly, the client be a right fit for the group. If they're dealing with particular issues or challenges that may require, for example, a dialectical behavioral group therapy, right? Somebody who might have a be dealing with what's called borderline personality disorder, a high level of trauma around abandonment, a recovery group may not be the first group that you step into. You may want to do a group like that, right? But Take a look at the group, make sure it's the right fit, talk with the group therapist, make sure it feels like a nice connection there, that your voice is heard, and find out all of the good information when it meets, the time, what the fee is, what the group rules are, what the expectations are of group, and and then just take a deep breath and go for it. I think it's um, one of the best gifts that you'll give yourself really in your recovery and healing. Well said. I totally agree with all of that. And then my second question is, what about professionals or other therapists or counselors out there that are thinking of starting a group? Because I know you have some resources available. What would you tell them? Yeah. So if you're a therapist listening to this conversation today, hello, fellow therapist, glad you're here. And what I would encourage you to do is if you have been wanting to um, start a group and you're excited about the prospect and maybe you're brand new to group therapy, I really think it's very, very important to get some consulting just that you invest in some consulting to set up your group. I think that's important. I think it's important for a couple of reasons. One, it ensures that you're operating at best standard of care and that you're operating within your scope. And number two, it really is so respectful to clients so that the clients that you will eventually be supporting in group, you're able to do that. We need to have curriculum in group. We need to know what group boundaries are, what group rules are. We need to think about things like what the name of the group is in order to protect confidentiality of the client. What are the rules of engagement within group? What are what are you going to do if a client shows up sick or if a client shows up under the influence? What are your rules and what are best standard of care if a client is relapsing in group or misses groups? How are you going to charge for the group? Is your group open or closed? How do you market ethically for a group? There's so many questions like that that people don't really, I should say, therapists don't really consider when they're first starting out. I've been running groups now for almost 15 years. I love group work, absolutely love it, and have run many, many different groups over the years. But you really need to have a secure 
roadmap in place. You need to have group forms in place that outline a lot of things, not just limits of confidentiality, but many things that people wouldn't even consider in group. And you need to know where you're going in group. What is the focus of the group? Will it be a theme? Will there be a book involved? Will there be particular homework? Is it a mixed group? Is it, what is it? So there's a lot to do when it comes to creating a group, but please, if you have interest in doing that, work with somebody who offers consulting. I do, as you know, Duane, and just within probably a session or joining one of my group workshops, you can quickly and inexpensively learn how to do group, and then you've taken care of, you've checked all of the legal and ethical boxes that you will most definitely want to check off as a, as a therapist facilitating a group. Yeah, and I would definitely encourage anybody anybody to do that. So how, how can they find that information? Where are they going to find that? Uh, my information? Group. Okay, yeah. yes. Yeah, sure. definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. Okay, so yes, you can go over to, well, they can contact me first of all. Uh, it's Mari, M-A-R-I, at thecounselorscoach.com. So again, Mari at thecounselorscoach.com. Um, and just shoot me an email. I've got a calendar on my website, same name, thecounselorscoach.com website. There's a uh, calendar. You can just go in and schedule an appointment. Um, the caveat is I'm I'm booked, as you know, Dwayne, about four to six weeks in advance in my coaching consulting sessions, but you're welcome to do that. You can go on and read my blogs. I have a ton of free information in my blogs, and I have a very good blog all about, I think it's called something like 10 Tips for Group Therapy. You can read that. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, that's on I'll link to that on. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and that's free, and that's on my on my Counselor's Coach website. And I also facilitate workshops periodically. I do have a workshop coming up. When is it? It's next April. I know that's a a ways off. Through ITAP, I'll be one of the instructors that'll be doing one of those webinars on ITAP. So that's coming up and I can send you the link eventually for that. Oh yeah, definitely. And then if you are a therapist and you have all of that information or you're currently running a group, but you're feeling a little wishy-washy with your forms or just not as, I don't know, just feeling a little bit nervous about your forms, please, please go on. And I've got a complete group therapy forms packet and it's really inexpensive. It's on my on my Counselor's Coach website under the Toolbox store. So you can go there and just download that and you'll have all the forms. I give you copyright permission to every single therapist to use those forms, as many groups as they want, with as many clients as they want. And it covers everything from A to Z, group rules, group boundaries, all of it. And so that can be a really nice and of course, an important thing to have in mind. So anyway, thecounselorscoach.com has a ton of information to support therapists who are interested in group therapy and just a ton of information about a lot of other um, therapeutic practices. So yeah, that's how you can get a hold of me. And I can definitely uh, back that up because you are an exceptional writer and your resources are so complete. And uh I love them. So I would definitely encourage anybody to check that out. I'm, I'm going to link all that in the show notes as well. Mari, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your wisdom about this. I really appreciate it. Oh, Dwayne, it's been great. It's really my pleasure. And, and thank you for your kind words and for the invitation. And again, to your listeners, if you're in recovery, I'm just giving you a fist bump and a high five. Both Dwayne and I are. Keep up the good work. Uh, find that support that you need. And don't be afraid to, to get into group therapy. It's such a really, really good 
good practice and um, important support. And for therapists, believe me, group therapy is going to be one of the most rewarding um, experiences that you have in your clinical practice. And I hope that what Dwayne and I have talked about today on your wonderful show, Dwayne, has been an inspiration to your listeners and those therapists who are who've been considering um, group therapy. It's it's just such a joy as a facilitator of group, as you and I both know. Definitely. Thank you so much, Mari. Thanks, Dwayne. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Addicted Mind. You can find all the show notes and links at theaddictedmind.com forward slash 54. Once again, if you are enjoying The Addicted Mind podcast, please rate and review us. I think we are up to 69 reviews and I'm really trying to get to 100. So if you could help me, I would really appreciate it. And it really does help get the word out about the addicted mind. And I really appreciate it. So please rate and review us on iTunes. That would be awesome. Everybody have a wonderful day and I will talk to you guys next week. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.